This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. We're going to run through some free agency talk. But first, you know, it's that time of year, Steve. It is officially that time of year where all the salary cap nerds wring their hands and talk about how, oh my gosh, the Saints, how can they keep doing this? They're just kicking the can down the road. They're not going to be able to sign free agents. They're going to, they're paying Taysom Hill how much? Oh <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> and then we, we, you know, three months from now, it'll be like, well, I guess, okay, we'll worry about this next year. And we'll have the same conversation there. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I've, I've already gone on my cap rant. And, and I, you know, I asked people to give me examples of where the cap has murdered the Saints and why, where they could be better. And no one, you know, that's, that's the thing, is everyone's willing to have these cap takes, but they're never willing to go far enough down the rabbit hole to pay off their take of like, well, wh- wh- where would they be better if they manage the cap differently? It's always like, oh my gosh, how can they possibly feel a good team if they have a $15 million budget <laughs> for Tatum Hill? Hey, 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 hey. I don't know. That, that was the first time I did that voice. I'm going to go back to it at some point. Um, I thought you were just going to cue like an, uh, what's his name, Nick... Uh, Nick Wright. No, Nick it's Wright. not even him. It's you know because he doesn't really get into the math so much. He just talks about it from a from an emotional perspective, and it's like whatever. I don't even care. But like it's like Warren Sharp and these cap nerds that they just want their list to make sense, and they can't figure. It's like oh well, they can't possibly sign a quarterback, and then they do, and then it's like whatever. But you know, it, and it always comes up, and it's like you're having the wrong conversation. And you're making it out as if the reason the Saints have struggled over the last two years is because they haven't been able to sign free agents and they haven't been able to retain their own guys. And it's like, that's not why they've struggled. They haven't missed draft picks because of the salary cap. That's yeah. not why they've missed draft picks. That's not why, you know, Jamal Williams shows up and is a shell of himself, right? Like that's, that's you paid Jamal Williams. It's not like a, anyway, it's, it's. It's not the conversation we need to have. We're going to have a free agency conversation that is not about the cap because the cap is not going to be what prevents the Saints from signing free agents anyway. Now, it might prevent them from signing the big name free. It might prevent them from, you know, resetting the market to sign whoever because they get into a bidding war for Mike Evans. And I would say that's probably a good thing because you look at free agents in a, in a majority of the time, when you look at these major high price free agent signings in the long run, 
it's shown to be a mistake. Like look at the Giants with Olivier Vernon and Janoris Jenkins and Damon Harrison. They had one playoff appearance and then those players were all on another team and the GM had been fired two years later. Like in most cases, a, a team going all in to sign a free agent is is more about a GM trying to save his job than it is actually making a smart, fiscally prudent decision. So we're not going to talk about that, even though we're talking about it. We are going to talk about free agency and we're going to talk about what positions do you see as the most important? Like last year, you needed a running back. You went for Jamal Wayne. You needed to rebuild your defensive interior. So you signed Nathan Shepard, Colin Saunders. You know, these are not not bottom of the barrel signings. They're middle of the road signings. You know, you're talking three years, 12 million, whatever. So what are those positions for you this year that you think the Saints should be looking at? Because like you, you don't need to rebuild the defensive interior this year. You have those pieces still in place. You still have pieces at the, the end. I think the defensive line isn't necessarily the mission critical position that it was last year. So what are those positions for you this year? Mission critical, though, is the offensive line for me. Uh, Looking for a tackle. I know uh, actually today the Patriots have to sign sign Trent Brown to an extension or else he will be a free agent. And I don't see that happening for the Pats. Uh, A guy that will be 31 in April, uh, had a rough year ago last season. I think they tried to switch positions on him. Uh, he can play left or right tackle, uh, but just someone that looks to be in need of a fresh start. And he does have experience having played with Derek Carr previously with the Raiders. So he was someone that I kind of locked in immediately on for free agency. And then, uh, honestly, I was thinking about backup quarterback as a need. And as crazy as that sounds, uh, you think about it, I don't believe Jameis Winston will be around uh, for next year. There's still a lot of questions about Jay Kaner. He could be the backup, but I'm also not quite sure if he can be either. Uh, so a guy like Sam Darnold, who has experience with Clint Kubiak this past season with the 49ers, kind of rang to me as an inexpensive option that that you could bring in and definitely turn to if worst-case scenario something were to happen to Derek Carr. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, uh, you know, Trent Brown is interesting. I do, it, it, I do think that a guy who can play, who can be a swing tackle, right? Right. There's value there, and uh, it's a question of okay, how much do you like James Hurst? Do you want to move on from James Hurst? You could may save some money against the cap if you if you moved on from him, and maybe you do try to find somebody who maybe a little cheaper or maybe a bit more productive. I don't know. Um, but no, the, the, the offensive line is going to be something that whether it's addressed through the draft or free agency, you're going to have both. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And or both. Right. So <laughs> I think that's a good one. And there's going to be, there's several names we could look at. I think Trent Brown yeah. is a good name. The quarterback position is interesting because I don't think you're questioning the starter. Like right. the saints aren't at least, uh, like Derek Carr is going to be that top guy, but who's behind him now? I think the saints like Jake Hayner. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up going into the season as the backup. That said, I don't think you're going to go into training camp with just two quarterbacks. Right. So And not, and not putting Taysom in that mix either, right? Yeah, no, Taysom is not the, the backup quarterback conversation. You know, right, he's good. an emergency quarterback and you like to have that. But I do think you're going to want to have three kind of QB proper guys. You know, not, not guys who are going to be working a tight end or learning – different roles in the offense. They're going to be quarterbacks. And so, yeah, I do think you're probably going to look at a veteran and Sam Darnold would make a lot of sense. Uh, so I think that's a good name. Now I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in Sam Darnold and then end up going with Jake Hayner and throwing right. Sam Darnold to the practice happen, squad right. for the season, because I do think they like Jake Hayner. I don't think this is a situation where you saw him for a year and you're like, Oh no, yeah, he's, he's not it. 
you know, like right. Ian Book, right? Like I think they were ready to move on from Ian Book. Knew right away. Think, I was like, uh-uh. Yeah. I don't think that's the case with Jake. So, uh, but I do think that you do want a veteran a particular, and if you can, and if you can kind of double up on that veteran and make it a guy who can come in and help install with right. that, that kind of understands how Clint Kubiak operates. I think that's, that, that would be a good option. So I think, I think that's a good name. I haven't heard that name thrown around that much, but I think it's a good one. So for me, I, I look at a few other positions. Um, one, I need a, I need a blocking wide receiver. And, you know, it's funny because everyone's everyone, when, when they moved on from Traquan Smith, everyone's like, finally, they finally got rid of Traquan Smith. He's not productive enough, whatever. Well, you know where this team really freaking struggled for a big chunk of this past season? It was finding a wide receiver who could block on the edge. Tell and everyone, truth, everyone right? likes to talk about it and say, well, where are the big run plays? Why don't we have any big run plays? You know how you get to a big run play? You know how you get to the third level of a defense? You have to get past the second level of a defense. And you know how you do that? The wide receivers freaking block a guy. You know, and and one of the one of the major luxuries that the Saints had during the heyday of Michael Thomas, so like through 2019, your star wide receiver was also this big hulking behemoth of a man who could go and block. He was one of the better blocking wide receivers in, in the NFL. It was, not, it was not something that people talked about particularly much because he was such an elite wide receiver or a catcher of footballs. But you didn't have to worry about, okay, we have to change personnel because we have, a, we have an outside zone run, a wide zone run, and we need the wide receiver, or, or we're doing a crack toss, and we need the wide receiver to come back in and, and block the end, right? You didn't worry about that. You could go with your regular personnel and run anything out of that because you knew that Mike Thomas could come in and make that block. One of the biggest changes from 2019 to now is assuming that Mike Thomas isn't on the roster next year. Your top two wide receivers in Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid are at best subpar blockers and it's not because it's not an effort thing per se it's just a size thing it's these are not big bodied wide receivers so you know you want them they'll battle but there's only so much you can ask in terms of Rashid Shahid go block that guy right and and I think it's a role that you had Keith Kirkwood in and he I don't think he delivered as well as you hoped he would Lynn Bowden was a solid blocker in the second yeah, when he got an opportunity, but I think he was limited in terms of how you used him as a wide receiver to the point that he kind of became a tell on offense when he was involved. It was like a majority of the time was going to be a run. So I think to me, finding a blocking wide receiver that can be productive. And, and I think that was the issue with Traquan is like he could block and he did all the dirty work, but he wasn't productive enough as a receiver. Yeah. So it became an issue. So the guy I look at is uh, KJ Osborne, wide receiver for the Vikings. They've been been very productive for the Vikings. Nothing crazy, but forty and sixty catches over the last three four seasons. He was there in twenty twenty one, so you know he's a guy who's familiar with Clint Kubiak, and you know wouldn't consider him to be a great blocker, but he's a willing blocker, and uh, you know size wise, mm, you know it's it's there's a question there, right? Talking 5'11", 203, not huge, but but big enough that you can ask him to go in there and get his nose dirty and, and be aggressive and block a guy. Um, the other guy a lot of people have talked about is Juwan Jennings. I think Juwan Jennings would be a great signing. I just don't think they're going to get the opportunity because he's a restrictive free agent, and I'd expect the 49ers to tender him at some level. Now, maybe it's an original round tender, and the Saints can go and sign him, and then the Vikings, I'm sorry, the 49ers can match it. That's how that works. 
Um, but if they tender him at like a third round or second round, you would have to give up a draft pick to go sign him and then they could still match it. And I just don't see that happening. So I, I would expect the the 49ers to make sure they keep him. So I'm not really talking about him, but again, like, but that's the type of receiver I'm looking for. Is, what do you think about a guy like Hunter Renfro, who's been connected? I know a lot with the Saints, but there's the, the, the Raiders still haven't let him go yet. I would love Hunter. If Hunter becomes available, I would be 100% on board with Hunter Renfro, but he's still not filling that need that I have for a physical blocking wide receiver. So like in the sense of that's why I I'm looking at KJ Osborne. Yeah. That's not what I would be looking at with Hunter Renfro. Now I, I love Hunter. I think he's a very good wide receiver. He's a good locker room guy. I covered him in high school. I know him pretty well. Okay. Um, but it's, it's not like, like, again, like that's, that's an addition to the offense I would love, but it's not filling that need that I'm talking about right here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I just I would think he's a decent blocker, but I'm right. He's not a huge guy. That's that what he's known for. I, I know what you're saying there. So I would I would put it like this. He is a willing blocker. Right. There you go. It's something you need. But I don't think that he's a guy that I would say, OK, we really need a block right here. I'm going to Hunter. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Chris. And that's just a, something that you're going to have to navigate if Chris Olave is your wide receiver one, because he's just not going to be able to do those those Michael Thomas things that you became accustomed to. You're going to have to find someone else to fill that role, the, at least the physicality part of that role. And, uh, you know, it, it, uh, the thing I compared to was Odell Beckham Jr. with the Giants. You know, like Odell Beckham Jr. was a supernova with the Giants, but he was never your prototypical X. He's smaller, he's shifty, he can get open on a phone booth, and he does a lot of the same things Chris Olave does. He makes these spectacular catches, got great hands. But you would, he'd never be the guy that you would put out, a, 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 you know, a, on the edge and say, go block that guy and expect him to, you know, seal the seal the edge. Now he, he will, he's a willing block. Again, you want to be a willing blocker. And I think Chris is a willing blocker, but he's not an elite blocker. And that's what I want. Um, so again, KJ Osborne, that's the name I'm looking at. The other one, we've talked about this slot cornerback. There are, uh, there are two guys that I look at that are potentials. Um, they're both undrafted. Free, I'm sorry. They're both unrestricted free agents. So in that sense, you can go after them. The, the top name on my list this year, assuming that the Saints are not willing to run it back with C.J. Gardner-Johnson, which I would assume they're not. Now, if they are, great. I would love to see C.J. back, but I just don't think it's going to happen. So the next name on my list would be Kenny Moore, cornerback for the Colts. Did a lot of great work in the slot this past season. If if not, I think he might, be a, he might end up a bit out of their price range. I think that he's going to be probably the top option in the slot corner market. And so he, th- there might be a bidding war. And I just don't see the Saints getting involved in a bidding war. It's the slot corner position. Because if they wanted to overpay at slot corner, they would have CJ. Um, like they don't want to do that. So I think they're going to be, you know, kind of going down that a little bit. So the next guy I would say would be Keyshawn Nixon. He was with the Packers last year. And the reason both of these guys make sense to me is – I think you I think one of the things the Saints like when it comes to players that they're looking at in free agency is having gotten a close an up and 
close up and personal look at these guys. And the Saints played the Colts and they played the Packers this past season. So they got kind of and, a good and idea. You had joint practices with the Packers. So yeah. And you had joint practices with the Packers. So I could see both of those guys. Now, neither of them are particularly sexy names, although Kenny Moore is a is a pretty well regarded cornerback in the NFL. Well, we don't um, have sexy cap space to deal with either. So <laughs> Yeah. So I mean if yeah, if Kenny Moore ends up getting a huge deal in free agency, then yeah, he's off my list. But a guy like Keyshawn Nixon, I think you do need to go sign a guy who can play in the slot. Assuming that you move on from Marshawn, which I think is going to happen, and you want to shift Alante Taylor outside, I want to bring in a veteran who can play in the slot. I don't think Marcus May can do it. I don't want to ask Tyron to be my full-time slot cornerback. That's a lot for a 33-year-old safety. He can play the slot, and I like that flexibility that he can that he can do that. I like the flexibility that Alante could do that if you needed him to. But I do want to see them go out and find kind of a dedicated slot corner, kind of like you did with Bradley Roby, right? Like Bradley Roby was probably overpaid in that role. And I don't know if you initially brought him in with the idea that he was going to be in that role, but he could do it. And he did do it when she, when CJ was out. So like, I would like someone who's kind of a tried and true kind of battle tested guy. And both of those Kenny Moore and uh, Keyshawn Nixon would, would qualify for me. No, definitely like the uh, slot corner idea because yeah, we, we saw it and we've talked about it. The, the Lante Taylor experiment there has to end. Please do not put him in the slot this season at all. I do not even want to see it in camp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you keep Marshawn, then you might not have a choice. <laughs> no, you're right um, there. And I, I kind of see it as you're deciding between Marshawn and Adebo, right? Because if you are if you're going to stay dedicated to Marshawn over the next several years, then I don't know how you extend Adebo on a big money deal. Um, because then, then what are you doing with a lot? I, I just, I do not see this team being dedicated to keeping Alante Taylor in the slot. Now, maybe they are, maybe I'm misreading it, but I don't think that would be good for Alante. And I don't think it would be good for the defense as a whole. Um, so we'll have to see, but that's going to be something. The next step is going to be, okay, what happens with Marshawn? If you do trade him, what can you get back for him? When do you trade him? Do you wait for June 1st and kind of push the assets out to 2025, which is what I would expect? Um, if it did happen, but yeah, that's going to be the big question. But right now I'm operating well, as I put this list together, as I'm kind of talking about the needs, I'm operating under the assumption that your outside starting corners next year are Alante Taylor and Paulson Adebo. And that means that you have to do something in the slot, man. Even, even if Marshawn's still around, I, I still think that that nickel guy is so key for, for the slot, just because I feel like we saw Alante wasn't comfortable there and is not, re- is not, right for it it's just not the right fit yeah but you i mean do you just not do you just have him ride the bench would that be better would you be better off that way i don't know um so that's that's where that's where it becomes difficult no that's going to be interesting too because just the fact that i don't know can you really afford to wait till after the draft to make that kind of move yeah you think think so huh i would just i I would just why would a team be less likely to trade for marshawn after the after the draft i would just think for the saints you'd want to have that all taken care of going into the season before the draft and not have to something like that to deal with afterwards when you just went through the whole draft process. Well, so the issue with that is like from a cap perspective, it would, right. I, I, get I think right. that's where it's like, yeah, you would love to have an extra pick in this year's draft, but I would also sure. prefer <laughs> to not have to eat that entire cap bomb this year if I don't have to. <laughs> and yeah. And I, and I think like you, you might be able to get a better deal after the draft because everyone overvalues. So 
immediacy is a, is a thing, right? Yeah. Everyone overvalues a draft pick that you're going to make in a month as opposed to a draft pick that you're going to make in 11 months, right? So from a, in the grand scheme, as long as you're okay with that pick not being this year, I think you could actually get a better asset. Like if you're going to trade for a second round pick in 2025, that would be a third round pick in 2024 because of the immediacy. And you don't know where that's going to land. Like yeah. once the draft order is set, the values change drastically. Maybe it's a top end of the second round pick as opposed to a back end of the second round pick, but you don't know right now. So like you're going it, to, it, it's the forecast of it's a little different, but I don't think that a team would look, a team that wants a cover, um, uh, an elite cover man cornerback would be like, well, we already drafted a rookie, so we don't want this. We think we can go win a Super Bowl with this guy, but we're going to stick with this. No, like a team would still be willing to do that. And they might be even more willing because it's, it's all in the future. You know, it's all like, Oh yeah, we can talk about that next year. So it's, it's like the same principle. Like the saints traded up to get an extra pick last year. It cost them significantly more. They made two first round picks. They could have just waited, but instead they gave up assets to go make a second pick this year. Cause that the value of that pick is more than the value would have been to wait. Yeah, and I know they're doing a whole bunch of compensatory picks, and those haven't really become officially final yet. But uh, I, I, what is it, like three or four picks they're picking up that and that range? Get three, three fifth rounders or something like that. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about getting more ammo for this draft uh, for this team that's in need of young talent. So m- maybe there's something there then at least with getting those compensatory picks. You can package stuff and maybe move up into – third or fourth round. I I know they don't have either one of those right at the moment. Yeah. That's my biggest expectation in terms of this draft is that the saints are going to make a pick in the third or fourth round. I don't know exactly how it's going to (laughs) happen, but it will, right. But it will happen. They, they will not go two full rounds without making a draft pick. They might, I I, I take it back. They will not go the third and the fourth round without making a draft pick. They might go the fifth, sixth and seventh round without making a pick. Yeah. (laughs) But they will not, I I do not see this team standing pat with five or three fifth round picks and being like, yeah, we're not, we're going to make all these picks. Cause like, I think this team is very aware of the fact that it's like, you don't want to have to cut your draft picks. And so is that, does that make you better? Right. Right, and then so, you end up seeing somebody you 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 know brought in for a little bit, took some time to work with, ends up having success somewhere else. I guess can be uh, very annoying. <laughs> they would rather make one pick in the third round on a guy that they they really like than three picks in the fifth round on guys that are just like dart throws, right? And you know, there's there's differing opinions. Some people would say, "Hey, I just want to be on the board. I just want to get darts on the board, and eventually I'll hit one." But that's not how the Saints operate. And when it goes well, it's great. When it goes well and you end up with a Alvin Kamara and a Jimmy Graham, like, great. Toronto Armstead, great. Then when it's Adam Troutman, eh. Yeah. So. Well, a guy like, what's his uh A.T. Perry was a nice dart at the board. And they traded Adam Troutman to get it. Yeah, right. There you go. Boom. And I, and I do wonder if how much of that was, we like A.T. Perry versus we got to get rid of Adam. <laughs> we, we can have, we have a chance to get rid of Adam and get an asset out of it. Let's do that. Uh, send it. Cause I think Adam Troutman was only getting traded to the Broncos. <laughs> no one else is trading for Adam Troutman. Um, so yeah. And, and now that pick has worked out well. And that's a good example of like, are you looking at Marcus Colston, like Zach Streif? These are seventh round picks that if you never made those picks, you wouldn't have those guys. So there is value in just having picks that you can throw at the board. Right. 
Uh, so yeah, you can argue against it, but I think recent history has told you how the Saints land. But all right, this is this is a conversation we can have as we go forward. We've been on here forever, so let's wrap up this podcast. I know Steve has to go finish Reacher. I'm getting caught up. Yep, yep. See all the gratuitous violence that Amazon Prime can provide in, in a 45 hour seg- segments. My wife, it's funny you brought up the gratuitous violence. My wife wanted to know what's gotten into me. I'm, I've caught up now with John Wick, and now I'm catching up with Reacher. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just about just sense, just constant murder everywhere. It's, it's great, <laughs> crazy. These streaming services, man, that's how they're catching up. It's just like body counts. Let's uh, get big guys beating people up. And Reacher is big. Yes. And and I just and you texted me the other day that he auditioned for American Idol, which I did not even know, but he did. I watched it. It was okay. Right. Definitely a big dude then, but not as uh bold. <laughs> yeah. the, the steroids the steroids hadn't com- hit hit yet. You know, the, the they were in the mail. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh. Yep. Alan Ritson. In, in, in case someone's listening and wondering who the hell we're talking about, it's Alan Ritson. Not Tom Cruise. I don't think I don't know if Tom Cruise has ever been on steroids, but they weren't ever, they weren't particularly effective if he was. No, that's like Jake Hayner taking steroids to me. What are you doing? <laughs> great tra- great 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 segue. Great transition. Uh snake the Jake. Is that how that goes? Jake, Jake the Snake. The anyway. Yeah. yeah. Something like right. that. All right. Good stuff. Long podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. He's got to go head out downtown and host sports talk. Good stuff. Call in. Uh, let Steve know that you disagree with him on every one of his opinions. <laughs> and and he'll appreciate it. I appreciate it when people call in and tell me I'm dumb. Um, and I just like to talk. That's what it's for, man. That's what we do. And now we need you more than ever to call in because... It's the dead season. <laughs> we got nothing. We got nothing. There's a reason we came on here talking about Jimmy Graham rowing across the Arctic, and it's not because we're super invested in Jimmy Graham's rowing across the Arctic. It's because we needed something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, right now it's like, shoot, we're getting like pre-combine ready. It's like, ah, wow. I'm, at least I'm from the Saints' perspective. At least from the Saints' perspective, right? Like we could talk about LSU stuff, but not on this podcast. <laughs> like that's no right, one here. Like, wait a minute, this is not multi. black and gold. Yeah. I mean, they have gold, technically, but yeah, that's a that's a different podcast. Go listen to that podcast. That's all right. Spin off, right? Yes. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Who dat? Go Saints. Talk to you later. Peace out.